Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Padawans episode 222 of Full Assist. I am Mike Pilot and with me, my co host Brian Young and Holly Fry. Uh, Brian, welcome back. It's uh, been a little bit since I talked to you. How was your uh, trip? Uh, it was good. I got a lot of uh, hanging out with uh, Mike Stackpole and Tim Zondon. Yeah, they were great conversations. You heard a little bit. It's funny how uh, different those conversations are, how much more manicured those conversations are when we are recording than when we're not recording. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just a different vibe. Yeah. You know, what's, what's funny too. We didn't get, uh, Tim and I didn't get into the, uh, to the, the, the greater detail in our conversation that we recorded than the one at the panel that we did. But I was shocked to find out that, uh, um, the way he tells the story about getting the Thrawn gig starts at a dinner at a convention with Pablo. Oh, yeah. It was at Salt Lake and it was a dinner that I organized. <laughs> And I was like, like halfway through, like halfway through him telling the story, I'm sitting there thinking, going like, what did, wait a second, was I at that dinner? And he's like, oh yeah. (laughs) You, what, created and attended this historic moment in Star Wars history? Well, I think, I think the wheels had been in motion a lot. I think it was just, that was Tim, the first time he'd seen Pablo in a while. And he's like, hey, I'd like to do something. And then like two weeks later, he got the the email saying like, Hey, we'd like to bring you out to Lucasfilm to talk to us about some stuff. So it was like, I think all that stuff was in the works already, but that was just his, his, uh, you know, when he saw Pablo again, it was yeah. like, that's what, that's what clicked for him. And then I think you're too humble. I think you don't take enough credit. Brian. No, I don't think I had anything <laughs> to do with it. To be honest, I think he would have got that call one way or the other, but that he started the story telling it to me in a group of people and me going like, wait a second, I feel like I remember this uh, was weird. What about you, Holly? How you been? Uh, you know, I've been, it's a very quiet week in Star Wars news, so it's been pretty chill. Mm-hmm. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> that being said, what are we going to discuss this week, Brian? Um, we're going to talk about that, uh, what little bit of Star Wars news there was, actually. We're going we're gonna to spend this episode talking about the Han Solo movie, and I'm sure everybody uh, is kind of sick of of hearing about it, but uh, I think we can help put it in some perspective for you. And for the record, we're not going to be talking any spoilers or story details or anything because we don't know any of those. I try to stay away from that anyway. Yeah, we tend to stay away from that anyway. But this is all going to be sort of the behind the scenes and the fan reaction and and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, well, and you could make the case that even if we knew any of those things, maybe not anymore. I mean, we don't know. True. Yeah, so so that's the thing. On was it Monday? 
uh, everyone woke up to news that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the directors of the Han Solo movie, had been uh, they had gone their separate ways, uh, essentially citing creative differences, which is how uh, how they described it and how Disney described it. And I can uh, read the the quotes. Uh, That'd be good context. Yeah. The entirety of their statement on the website on June 20th was the untitled Han Solo film will move forward with a directorial change. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller are talented filmmakers who've assembled an incredible cast and crew, but it's become clear that we have, we had different creative visions on this film and we've decided to part ways. A new director will be announced soon, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. Unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners and this project. We normally aren't fans of the phrase creative differences, but for once, this cliche is true. We are really proud of the amazing and world-class work of our cast and crew, stated Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. The untitled Han Solo film remains scheduled for a May 2018 release. And that was it. That was the entirety of the statement. So, I don't want to be one of those skies falling kind of people, because in this instance of this whole thing, I'm not even worried about it, you know? Um, but every time people part ways and say creative differences they always say it's so cliche to say this but it's the truth so do you really believe it's the truth <clears throat> are you are you asking is it the truth that it is creative differences or is it the truth that it's a cliche all very cliche. polite yeah or, oh. it's all very polite uh i mean it, the the beauty of the phrase creative differences right is that it's very broad and nebulous it can encompass a lot of different things so even if it's a personality conflict you can say it's creative differences if it's different vision you can say it's creative differences so it's cliche for a reason right because it it is so easy to go to so i guess my my other question about it is is how much they wanted to actually stick with doing the movie like if i was asked to do a star wars movie and i was you know i've had a couple good hits under my belt and I was told, I was, you know, some footage was seen, the direction was seen that, oh, well, you know, let's, we're not really looking for this, maybe change this up a little bit. I guess maybe because I'm not that stubborn of a person, I just wouldn't dump what I was doing because I was getting feedback that I didn't agree with or wasn't in my, my mind's eye of what was going to be the final project. I think the, the, the big issue, and this sort of bears out with all the reporting that's gone on about this, is that they were not hired to make a, uh, Lord and Miller film. Yeah. They were hired to make, to bring a comedic edge to Lawrence Kasdan's already stellar script and to execute his vision for what this story should be. And that's probably really hard when you're used to dealing with people who, um, you know, like on the Lego movie or 21 Jump Street, you know, it's not like 21 Jump Street is a beloved property. Yeah. Right. And they can kind of do whatever they want to. And the comparison I heard made was that Gareth Edwards wanted to shoot Rogue One in sort of a very documentary style. But he shot what the script required first in a very straightforward, very craftsmanlike way, and then gave himself an hour or two on set to explore those documentary options. And that was good enough for Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy. What these guys were doing was they were using the entirety of their process of just having actors ad lib things. Mm. And that didn't really fit with how Lucasfilm was seeing the movie. And, uh, there were some reports that Alden Ironreich, who's playing Han Solo kind of got concerned about this and was saying like, yeah, I'm not sure this is 
doing Han Solo what Han Solo is supposed to do, which kind of says to me that like he understands the character and maybe they didn't in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, that was actually the tip off that had Kathleen Kennedy come in and say, well, why don't we look at what's going on? And they looked at some of the dailies and they looked at some of the rough cuts and they were just like, yikes, this is not working for us. This is not what we hired them to do. And um, from what I heard, you know how like Gareth Edwards on Rogue One, they brought in Tony Gilroy to sort of do the reshoots and, and oversee that while Gareth Edwards oversaw editing. and. Lord Miller apparently balked at that and said, no, we're not going to do that process. This is our vision. And they said, well, here are your walking papers because we're right. doing this anyway. See, I'd like to believe that Alden Ehrenreich does understand the character and his concerns were that. But, you know, just watching a lot of movies and, and things about Hollywood and other things, sometimes when the lead actor says something, it's because they don't like the directors to begin with or they don't like working with them or they're not happy with how they do that. I haven't I haven't gotten that impression that anybody let, disliked them on a personal level. Yeah. You know, and I think the cast they assembled was great. I think that they're competent filmmakers, but at the point where they did not want to like I mean, you have a Lawrence Kasdan script, right? This guy wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. This guy wrote The Empire Strikes Back. This guy wrote and directed Silverado and Wyatt Earp and The Big Chill and uh so on and so forth. And he knows what he's doing. And Kathleen Kennedy, this was the reason he came back to Lucasfilm. It wasn't The Force Awakens. It was this Han Solo film because he had an idea for what he wanted to do with Han Solo. Sure. And so this is what he came to do. And when a guy like that writes a script that he's very particular about. And you hire a director to bring that uh, director. When you when you hire a director to bring that vision to life when they start going off the reservation it's concerning yes yeah, well especially all that you put into it but and and all he has done he he earned the right to hey let's stick to, stick to the script i have no problem with ad-libbing lines some of the greatest things in some of the best movies came from ad-libbing but i agree that you know that's not really the direction they should be going that in. makes it really hard to make a star wars film if you look at like Anchorman or Judd Apatow films in general, right? They're all really overly long. And part of that is because they're finding the story and the rhythm of the story in shooting, right? And when you're doing such a special effects heavy film like a Star Wars movie, my guess is that doesn't work and it becomes really expensive. And they didn't want them to find a new movie out of a Lawrence Kasdan script, Mm -hmm. right? Like that was... (laughs) The movie is there. Yeah. Um... (laughs) You know, that's like saying, okay, here's this one vein of gold that we've already found for you, and we want you to mine that, and then they just, like, they bring a backhoe, and they're like, nope, we're looking for a different one, because they've already showed them the mine, you know? Like, I bet we can find, you know, gold-pressed latinum. Yeah. I think you kind of alluded to this, Brian, but one of the things that sort of stands out to me in all of this discussion that's going on about it, and of course... And I, I mentioned this to Brian yesterday when we were talking, like, I uh, wish everybody could just approach these. And it is a big news story, and I don't want to sound like I'm dogging anybody for getting excited about it. But I wish the fan community could, like, approach these these breaking stories with, like, 30% more chill. It, like, rockets into the stratosphere so quickly, and people are, you know, 
barking online almost instantly. And I'm like, we don't know, know all the details. We're just making stuff up at this point. If we're really, you know, going off on it, but, um, but what I'm, the internet works now. right. I know well, I'm going to, we're going to change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but what I was actually getting to is that I feel like the way Lucasfilm has set up their production at this point for all films is that it is a very specific flavor of collaboration. And I think, and this is absolutely with no shade to Lord and Miller at all, but I think like, I mean, this happens to any of us, like in our jobs, there are some teams that work a certain way that you just don't gel with. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like if everybody doesn't agree with the role that they're in, then it's never going to work. And I kind of get the vibe that that is part of what's in play here is that Lord and Miller thought that they would have some percentage more of authority in terms of final decisions than they did. As in carte blanche. Right, which is, is I think, where a lot of the frustration probably started. And then, you know, it becomes that thing where the the dynamics are constantly shifting as they're trying to push a little further in the direction they want. And then, you know, the studio is going, no, 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 no. And I could see where that would take. This is the thing that keeps coming up is people are like, why did they wait so long to, to fire them or for them to quit? But I think that's the kind of dynamic that is a slow burn. Like you don't always realize as it's developing how incompatible it really is until it really is. And maybe everything is creative differences and there was a handshake and it was an amicable split and, you know, the movie will be back on track and it's the the release date hasn't changed. Right. That's still the same. No, the release date. In fact, the release date has been firmly restated twice by Lucasfilm. Okay. So yeah. to, to finish my, my thought is maybe they'll be fine with it. Maybe it's not a big deal to them and they have other projects and they're not, it's not going to be a concern, but I would just imagine that, you know, this, the film gets finished. It gets, it gets put out. It's a great movie. People love it. They don't love it either way. I mean, to me, it'd be like that one that got away. Like years down the road, we were filming a star Wars movie and because things weren't going the way that we preferred. You know, that's the kind of thing that sticks on you the rest of your life. But I think, uh, I think one thing, part of the reason, and I caught a little bit of flack for this, um, the, the idea, um, that this is unheard of or unprecedented is, uh, not true. And that it has happened. Not, frequently but enough that there's a track record and more often than not the movies turn out really well yeah yeah um um so i don't think we're going to get some lost version of the the miller lord han solo movie like it would look more like uh have you ever seen that that uh that second anchor man yeah. uh movie that's on like the, the the b-side of the the disc where it's just like here's all the crap that <laughs> you know we couldn't fit into the real story while we were looking for it so we actually filmed an entire other movie that we could put out uh i think it would look essentially like that where it would just be like sort of adjacent to not make any sense in connection with this um but uh you know gone with the wind had this happen to it the wizard of oz had this happen to it um ratatouille had this happen to it moneyball had this happen to it. um Moneyball's spartacus had had that happen to it you know moneyball <laughs> what oh um ratatouille is one of those where it's like uh <gasps> oh, the, ratatouille. the the original director uh jan Picava, 
worked on the movie and developed it and it was his idea and he worked on it from 2000 to 2005 wow and then pixar just said we don't think you've found the story here we're gonna bring brad bird in so they removed him from the film put brad bird in charge and brad bird had 18 months to turn around that entire film Uh from writing to final animation which is unheard of for pixar especially when you think the first director had been working on it for five years and Brad Bird had 18 months That's to turn crazy. it around. That's nuts. And would anybody look at Ratatouille and say, like, man, they really screwed that up by switching directions? No, no, man. Yeah. Ratatouille was great. Oh, it's one of my very favorite films of all time. I have rabies for that film. I love it so much. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but so so that was why sort of initially when they said, when Kathleen Kennedy said, like, our creative visions of the film are different and we're going to be replacing the directors, that was instantly what I thought about, right? I was excited about these guys because I think the Lego movie is really funny and I I didn't see I have not seen anything else they've done. But my understanding of it was, well, they've got a Lawrence Kasdan script. How could they screw that up? And it sounds like they found a way. I think um, for all the people that I've seen online, and it hasn't been as much as I really expected, for all the people that are online posting negative things and, again, the sky is falling and all that worry stuff, you know, it goes back to, I've been so pleased with how Disney Lucasfilm have been handling things since, you know, Lucasfilm was bought many years ago. And something like this, like when I first read about it, I was like, it only solidifies that in my mind that they're not just being cavalier with, with Star Wars. Like they're taking it very seriously. They want to, you know, there's, there is a vision. There is, there are scripts. There are things that they want to do to not make it into a joke. You know what I mean? It's yeah. They're going to have all these movies and they're taking the, even the ones that are the, the side movies or the spinoffs. They're taking it seriously. Even if it's going to be a funny movie, they still want to do what's best for the franchise. Yeah, no. And that's, and that's the thing. Like at what point do we say Kathleen Kennedy has been a blockbuster producer for how many years? And she's probably knowing what she wants and what she needs that maybe we should trust, trust her. her on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say that we should have a blind trust of her, but this sounds like the right move. I mean, she's produced a lot of Kasdan screenplays. I mean, she produced Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is probably his best screenplay. And, uh, you know, I was really dismayed by all the articles that were like, does Lucasfilm need a change in leadership? Oh, mm-hmm. don't even get me started. No, like, I, I go like into red rage on that whole thing. Yeah, get started, because- Holly. Okay, part of it is that I I feel like the impetus for a lot of those articles is in fact just how can we spin this to make an article that gets clicks, which I hate. I mean, I understand it. Like, my day job is doing online content, and I understand that you need to get clicks. But I just feel like at that point, you're basically saying, wow, this person is amazing, and their track record is perfect but we're going to judge them by this thing in process that we don't even fully understand yet. (laughs) I'm like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And I also, and I'm a little reticent to introduce this into the conversation, but I do think it's interesting that as all of this goes down and as more and more articles have come out that made it sound like, you know, Kazdan was initially the person that really pushed for them to get this director job And he was also the person that ended up sort of having the biggest clash with them because the script really seemed like maybe it wasn't getting the respect 
that he felt it deserved. There have been no articles about him, like, should Kazdan still be so involved? There are none of those, but everybody went after Kathleen Kennedy. Everybody yeah. who's writing those kinds of articles, not everybody, but you know what I mean? Um, and it just, I couldn't help but notice that disparity. And I don't know if it's just a simple fact of she's head of the, the studio, so that's automatically how it's going to happen. And she does in that role. I mean, you you take a job like that knowing that at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, the buck stops here, so to speak, and it, it is going to be after you. But I do wonder, again, how, as the news developed, and it seemed more, much more like she was, she made the move she did because she had Kazdan's back, but no one had any similar things about, oh, is, is Larry Kazdan becoming problematic diva? Like, nobody <laughs> had those kinds of articles. It was all, like, is Kathleen Kennedy a too much for Lucasfilm. Like it was like, what? Uh, well, it's, it's an easy that route. Troubles me. Yeah. It's the easy route. And I think that, and this isn't blind faith, but I mean, what's the last Star Wars movie that was released? Rogue One. And it was amazing. Yeah. And now we're changing directors on the next movie that's going to be coming. Well, no, a third. There's a. There's one in between. Yeah. Last Jedi is in between. <laughs> yeah. So this is a movie that, you know, there isn't like it's been four movies or four, like the shows or, you know, things are being released or just da- going downhill and everything. I mean, from what has just happened recently and the track record from what is this, like 35 years she's been doing this yeah. like to go after her for the change True. of directors is just ridiculous well and to be clear i'm also not saying that people should be going after kazdan i just thought it was interesting that they all went in one direction and not the other no i got i got your point but i'm glad that you reiterated because somebody would have taken it yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think nobody really at this point, like, no, no such articles are even merited. Similarly, I don't think anybody should write an article going, should Lord and Miller stop directing? Like, one, we d- we still don't know how this whole thing went down. We know only what has been dribbled out to us, which is surely not the whole picture. And two, we, we'll see how the movie turns out. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I always thought Lord and Miller were like, um, I don't know, like a law firm or... You know, some store, high-end store for ladies' clothes or something. You're thinking Lord and Taylor. That's, yeah, Lord and Taylor. But Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they would have followed Kasdan's directions better. <laughs> I'm not dogging them or anything. I mean, I, I did. I like the Lego <laughs> Retail movie. Retail giant, Lord and Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the Lego movie. So, like I said, I'm not, I didn't really see yeah, anything else that they did. But I don't know. I just, again, back to the seriousness of it. Like, even though there's, it's going to be a funny movie, it's, Luke's film has an idea. Disney has an idea. And they're trying to stick with it. Yeah. So the uh, the news then came out the very next day that Ron Howard would be assuming directorial duties on the untitled Han Solo film. And then the statement that they released there was Lucasfilm is pleased to announce that Academy Award winning filmmaker Ron Howard has been named director of the untitled Han Solo film. At Lucasfilm, we believe the highest goal of each film is to delight, which is a word Kasdan's used a lot. Uh, we believe the highest goal of each film is to delight, carrying forward the spirit of the saga that George Lucas began 40 years ago, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. With that in mind, we're thrilled to announce that Ron Howard will step in to direct the untitled Han Solo film. We have a wonderful script, an incredible cast and crew, and the absolute commitment to make a great movie. Filming will resume 10th of July. Howard has made some of the biggest hits and most critically acclaimed movies of the modern era. Among his many films are Lucasfilm's Willow, Apollo 13, A Beautiful Mind, winner of four Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, The Da Vinci Code, they should have left that one off, (laughs) Frost, Nixon, and Rush. 
He also narrated and produced the beloved comedy <laughs> series Arrested Development, starring, yeah. starred in George Lucas's American Graffiti, and remains a TV icon for his roles both in The Andy Griffith Show and Happy Days. The untitled Han Solo film is slated for a May 25th, 2018 release. Um, so I think there's 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 two two things there. One, Lucasfilm is very confident that he can get this film done in a year. And two, I think it's important to remember that Ron Howard is like Woody Allen of the Woody Allen of big budget movies and puts out a film every year. A good film. So, yeah. So, well, not always. Yeah. Remember more the often than not. Code. More often than not. Those Da Vinci Code movies were bad. <laughs> a lot of people liked them, though, Brian. Yeah, a lot of people were wrong. You can't say that. I've never gotten. I've never gotten all the way through any of them, but um, which I don't want to crap. One. I didn't see the other ones. I only saw the first one. I don't want to crap on the Da Vinci Code movies, but it is a story designed to make. Never mind. I'm not even going to say that. Um, but uh, here's a guy who does make really big budget movies and turns them over in a year, and they've already done a lot of the work he normally would. So him being able to pull it off is probably not going to be any stretch for him uh he's also a protege of lucas lucas trained him to be a director him and lucas had conversations dating back all the way to american graffiti about him being in film and 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 building on his his film career as a director and uh you know i i I think uh he's the right person to be able to come in the right sort of person to come in and assess what needs to be done because building a film is a puzzle and you have to decide what the picture of that puzzle looks like and then handcraft every piece. And it's going to take a very seasoned filmmaker to come in and see a half finished or a puzzle with half the pieces already made and then figure out what the rest of that picture should look like and how to craft all the pieces around it so that it all fits together. Um, I think hiring a young and maybe less experienced director probably wouldn't have worked in this situation. They do need someone who's done it a lot. And I think Ron Howard fits that bill. I did message Kathleen Kennedy and said that I threw your name in the ring for filming. For- yeah, no, I would have been rubbed shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think I think there's probably uh, there's probably Star Wars stories I could write. I'm not so sure I could direct. them. Well, I just, you know, I threw your name in the, the mix. But it's, I was going to share this story with you on... Um, over text earlier um, the other day, but I figured I'd wait for the show. It's it's a a good coincidence how I found out about Ron Howard. We were um, we were sitting in the deli, Murray's Deli, down in uh, Ballard Kimwood, down near Philadelphia. I had to take my car in to get uh, inspected, and I went. Usually they come up and they get my car. They do like a what's that called? A valet service. They'll come get the car and then they'll bring it back to me. But um, we haven't been down there in a while, and I was really in the mood for these this deli's Rubens. They're very very good. So I took the girls down with me, and on the wall at the table that we were sitting was a signed picture of Ron Howard. And I was trying to explain to Anya who Ron Howard was, you know, that he's the father of Bryce Dallas Howard, you know, and the movies that she was in, you know, to connect that. Because, you know, you talk about Happy Days, but she knows what Happy Days is, but she's never seen Happy Days. She's maybe seen, like, the intro to Andy Griffith's show. She hasn't really seen anything with, with Ron Howard. And then we started talking about movies that he directed. And then I got the alert on my phone that came through about that press release that you just read. So it was really, really uh, a, a nice coincidence how that I found out about that. <laughs> uh, I was also going to add to Brian's 
uh, comments that the other thing that makes Ron Howard a really good selection for this particular moment in this particular film is that he has a reputation for being very calm. He's very even keel. He's, you know, he can be direct and assertive, but without kicking up a fuss, which is exactly probably what that set needs at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of timeline discussion going on. I've noticed online where people are like, there's no way he could do it this amount of time. And I, there's no way he's going to get director credit because he won't have been on the film long enough. And I'm like, mm-mm-mm. Look at that Ratatouille situation where exactly. Jan Bikava was on for five years and, uh, and uh, you know, Brad Bird turned it around in 18 months. It's not a matter of time. The way the Guild does that is is uh, credit based on which director has the most time on screen or has the most work visible on screen. And they, they will go through and figure out who did what. And and between all the effects work and the effect shots that Ron Howard is going to have to oversee and three weeks of principal photography left and five weeks of reshoots, my guess is it's probably going to end up being a Ron Howard film. I think so, too. Wouldn't it be funny, though, if it worked out the way that Howard finishes the movie and then it gets a best director nod and they win, but then Lord and Miller get best director and they didn't do the film and finish the film. Wouldn't that be funny? I don't think that. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know of a kind way to say what's in my head. So I'm going to just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, all I'm saying is that would be, that would be funny. That would be weird, but it oh. is a possibility. I mean, it, it is a legitimate Here, possibility. Here's the thing. I don't think there's ever been a possibility of a star Wars picture winning best picture at all. It's one day. It's going to have to happen. Um, sometime it's around. not going to happen for the Han Solo. Movie. <laughs> like, if uh i feel like you just set in motion forces in the universe where the universe is like oh really brian yeah right <laughs> i'm gonna prove that young wrong again yeah no maybe maybe it will but i mean i would have figured <laughs> that if uh i mean the, the you know how the academy works if they give one to any of them if last jedi is really good and actually gets a nomination it won't win but when episode nine comes out they'll reward the trilogy like they did return of the right. king even though Return of the King wasn't the best three of the, of the three movies. Yeah. yeah. It's like, was, well, we can catch them next time. That was mostly just being silly by, you know, it's a possibility. It's not going to happen. It's a possibility that that could work out that way. It's just strange. Well, and maybe maybe the Academy says that they're going to give him a best director nod because that job uh, is ridiculous. Doing all that minimal. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is something a really good director would be able to do. Yeah. We usually talk about the positive on this show. We're all positive people. We try to have, you know, keep people on the straight and narrow and not, you know, panic. But Brian, could you think of anything or has anything come across your mind that could be a negative with this happening? I don't think this is a negative. What a lot of people have said, um, there's a lot of people who have said this is a mistake. This is a huge misstep. And I don't think this is the misstep. I think this is the correction of the misstep, mm-hmm. right? I think the misstep in retrospect was hiring Lord and Miller in the first place, but I'm not even sure that was a misstep because they pull, pulled together the cast and crew that has me so excited, right? Yeah. The, the, the DP of the arrival, the cast is fantastic. Uh, they still have that cast and script. Like all of the elements they put into play for the movie, I'm really excited about. But if they weren't executing it uh, in a way that 
that was going to make a good movie, Kathleen Kennedy coming in and saying, no, you put all these great ingredients together, but we're going to have a real chef come in and finish the meal. I, I don't see how this is a negative. Um, it's a, it's a negative in that there's tension and that people are talking about this and we're, we're paying so much attention to internal things that, that ultimately like Lucasfilm is committed to making a great movie and we can't judge what ingredients they put in. It's not like we can't judge what ingredients they put into the mix. Uh, if we get the dish at our table and it's perfect, right? Yeah. So, like, how can we say this is a mistake or a misstep or or anything like that if we don't know what that final product looks like? So I'm not saying the movie's going to be amazing. I don't know that. But I am saying that we pay too much attention to the process behind all of this, and we're guilty of it as much as anybody else. I mean, aside from this podcast, I've talked about this to death. I'm sure you two have talked about it a lot. We watch the process too much. We watch the sausage being made and we don't want to know what goes into it really. And I think this proves that. And we just want to eat it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say for me, like, as I said at the beginning, I'm not, I'm with Mike. I'm not a big like panicker. I'm not a big naysayer. The news did shock me initially. I was like, whoa, but just because it was startling, we hadn't heard anything, you know, there had been no rumblings of like, things aren't going great. It literally just all broke at once, but I'm, I kind of like both, you know what I mean? But it's also probably why I love spoilers. Like I'm comfortable seeing all the ingredients and the sausage and the meat grinder. And then I could still appreciate the meal, even if like some part of the process made me go, huh, I'm not sure. That you're into spoilers makes me so badly desire a, a rumor control with you and Bobby. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> Why? I, well, because, I mean, I think our approach to them is very different. Do you know what I mean? I'm kind of like, yeah. it's very, I always joke, and this will sound nerdy as hell, but to me, it's very Beckettian. Like, uh, it's like watching a Samuel Beckett play. I don't have to, like, pick apart and analyze every piece of it. I can just be like, huh, all right, well, that's some new piece of information. Huh, that's, oh, that's also new. Okay, okay. I'm a little too chill. I don't think it would be very fun to listen to. Yeah, but listening to Bobby and then you just going, huh, okay, like, that could be fun on its own. Eh. <laughs> I'm, I'm no Bud Abbott, man. I don't. <laughs> really? Really. No, you're, you're definitely not a straight man. Yeah, but, like, for me, taking in spoilers and stuff, it really is very much of, like, one, the thing that has always initially really been at the heart of my drive to look at spoilers is that I cannot wait to see the design of things. And so plot points along with that are just fine, but I'm not, like I said, I don't have to pick them all apart and like, like I can just kind of take them and, and add them to my, my mental database. And then at the end, I always love seeing what was true and what wasn't from the, the spoiler mill. Um, but yeah, so I don't know that that's especially compelling to listen to me go, huh, we'll see. Huh. We'll see. So if somebody does spoil something for me, I don't get worked up. I don't get all upset about it. I, and I think we talked about this before, Brian. I like going back to the, the rumor controls after like a new movie comes out and hear what the rumors were and see how close they were. I also like to uh, go back and listen to some of our little bit of speculation and see if that came to fruition. But like actively, I don't go around looking for stuff. Well, what do you two think about the idea that uh, there's been another set of Star Wars fans who, for whatever reason, think 
that this is proof positive that Lucasfilm is trying to move too quickly and make too many Star Wars movies and that uh, and that maybe they should slow down and maybe they should have just canceled this Han Solo movie if it wasn't going well. I think that it's ridiculous to cancel it because of creative differences when there was so much done and there, there was a good cast and crew assembled for it. I think that people would lose their minds and if that would have been canceled, that would have, to me, um, I think a lot of people would have thought of that negative against them for, for something like that. And to say that they're moving things too, too quickly along, I, Marvel's been doing it and there hasn't really been a problem. <laughs> Marvel, Marvel does it at two or three times the rate. Yeah. Too. And yeah. again, the last, the last force awakens was, it was a solid movie. Rogue one, second favorite star Wars movie of mine. So we're going to see last Jedi before we see Han Solo. I, I just, I think it's premature and it's too fast to jump on that bandwagon. Can I right tell away. you my, the most well, exciting thing about Han Solo kind of wrapping your point and, and Holly's point. I'm thinking like this film is going to be a midway point between the prequels and the classic trilogy where rogue one was like butted right up against the classic trilogy. Yeah. I'm so excited to see Han Solo and some of the trappings of the early empire, but still with some of the prequel flavor left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really want to see that, those designs. Yeah. Me too. Um, going back to your question, I think when people talk like that, that we, we shouldn't get a movie every year and, and Lucasfilm is taking on too much. It almost seems like they think like there is this group of, you know, X number of people and they do one movie and then they turn around and do the next movie and then do the next. And it's like, no, these are in production simultaneously. They're all getting the full amount of time that a movie would get to be in production. True. You know what I mean? Like the production calendar is still the two to three year uh, regular gestation period of a film. It's not like Lucasfilm has sped up the whole process and they're doing it completely differently and they're, you know, churning them out. They're yeah. still, still pretty much like how a movie works is how their movies are working. That was the most shocking thing when Tim was talking about the Thrawn book. Mm -hmm. They called him in for that meeting before Force Awakens had even come out and showed him parts of Rebels Season 3 with Thrawn in them. Huh. Before wow. Force Awakens had even come out. Like, they have everything planned and locked down a few years in advance so that yeah. they can have those storytelling opportunities in the movies connect with everything and fit with everything else so yeah. that they can have those those things together you know like um they they don't do anything faster than they need to uh at all and i heard somebody else say something similar to to what you were talking about brian about that they're they're too fast on releasing these movies and the reason they're doing that is they're trying to get as much money out of the interest in star wars right now before people aren't interested in it anymore um what i don't I, what? <laughs> what yeah in 2024 i'm going to be not a star wars fan anymore i'm like everybody in the world is going to be hate the original trilogy hate the later movie no there's always going to be interest in a star wars movie or show right. yeah yeah and i mean the other thing is that as Brian just alluded to, they're planning out things so far in advance. And I think it's very, very carefully planned that, you know, we'll be getting as maybe they're concerned that people have not the diehards like us, but the general populace might have franchise fatigue, right? As that, you know, could potentially be an issue. 
Star Wars land is going to open up in Disneyland and in uh, Disney World, which will just kind of add a whole new wave of excitement and keep things going. Like, you know what I mean? Their business model is planned out in a way that that they know how to continually re-engage audience. Yeah. And they've been doing this for a long time. And think about, like, how long it's been since Rogue One, right? Couldn't you all stand a new Star Wars movie like right now? Yes. They could have released a new Star Wars movie in January and I would have been thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's my point, though. Like for well, I don't, there are some people who think I don't know. There are I have talked to some people who maybe are fatigued by the Marvel movies. But they're still making as much money as before. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe maybe that's an individual thing, not a collective thing. Yeah. I mean, I have said on this podcast before i think my only my only beef is so specific and weird it does not mean i have any in any way um had a waning of my love is that i don't have as much time to pour over all of the supplementary materials yeah and i just i just feel like oh man i wish i had more time to get into everything but it's also because my life is too busy you know what i mean it's not really the pace of the films if i had you know 30 percent fewer commitments in my life i would have no problem but no, I, I think the other thing, and this is really just a silly thing. The only, my only issue with the pace of the the Marvel movies is that, so I usually do everything digital now, and I have a, a Voodoo account with a couple friends, and the Marvel movies are that Disney anywhere. So it's yeah. not like I can let somebody buy one, somebody buy another, or someone buy. I have to buy them all if I want to see them or if I want to have them. Whereas if it's another studio we can mix it up and we can each buy one, a different one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's my, that's my only problem with it. And that's silly. I mean, that's really silly. I'd have to buy them all anyway, if I was watching them on disc. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I don't know about you two, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with Han Solo still. I'm still more excited about it than, than I think most people. And I'm still trying to understand what is it? What is it about this movie that causes uh, such a wide swath of online fandom? And and I don't by any means want to take this as fandom in general, but what is it about the idea of doing a young Han Solo movie that turns some fans off and, and them just say, like, we didn't ask for this movie, we don't want this movie? I think the fact that it's the first of these secondary movies that is about a character, and, not, and so Rogue One was a story, about characters but it wasn't about one person you know what i mean and han solo i think a lot of people would argue that they'd rather see somebody else and or they'd rather see han solo in his prime i i find it fascinating to to see that time frame and to see how han solo became you know the scruffy looking nerf herder that he became and just to, to touch base on something real quick when this was announced last week that they were getting rid of the directors i didn't worry about i didn't have a feeling one way or the other. I wasn't concerned. I knew it was going to be for the best. Anyway, and this is before hearing about Howard. I just, it's going to be fine. I, that's, that's my, my mindset about the whole thing. I'm, it'll be fine. There's a reason they did it because they wanted to have a better movie. So I just never worried about it, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think, I think Mike hit on something uh, when he mentioned that it is a character, you know, a specific character inspired movie rather than a a new story with characters we don't know. And I think part of it is that people, I mean, Han Solo is much beloved. And I think there's probably an aspect where people don't, 
want to entertain the possibility of a film that could in any way shift the character, whether that be like literally changing something we know about the character or just simply the perception of it. Or maybe they just don't welcome change and they don't want to see another actor be Han Solo. Rogue One and Force Awakens changed that perspective on him. Isn't it a great time to have a movie about Han Solo after just losing him? I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that were heavily affected by the loss of Han Solo. I mean, that. so if you're going to start it off and you're going to have character movies, this is the for people's hearts that really, really got hurt about. This is a great way to to see him again and to see how he became who he was. I agree. And to make Force Awakens more sad. Yeah, <laughs> right. It will. I think to me, I think it's really exciting that we're going to get a fuller arc on that character than we have on on, I think, almost any of our beloved characters from the, the original trilogy. You know, well, I, I mean, Luke still has his arc, but it's like he was still just a dirt farmer for 20 years. And that's right. Not... We still have that big gap in his. his but what, story. I mean, like we know he's a racer. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think. I think it'll be a nice uh, look forward to like the filling out of his story. And quite frankly, I'm excited for Lando. And oh, absolutely. And you know, as a kid watching empire and watching star Wars and watching Jedi, I've always wanted to know how Han Solo became who he was. I always wanted to see how he got the Falcon. I always wanted to see what his life was. Cause like you said about, about Luke, we know that Luke was on the dirt farm. Um, but another aspect of it be, and I don't understand this, specifically but is it that another actor's stepping in to be han solo yeah i think yeah. that's part of it because uh, i mean did anybody how hard did people argue about it on in last crusade or in young indy uh, or young indy yeah i mean yeah. we've had four or five different actors play indiana jones yeah i don't know i, so d- what, I don't what know makes I... han solo so inviable i have no idea Maybe because they haven't seen Alden Ironreich. Is that how you say his last name? Uh, Ironreich. Ironreich. Yeah, I mean, maybe because they haven't seen enough of the stuff that he's done. I know that personally when uh, I saw the end of Crystal Skulls and they kind of set up Shia LaBeouf being the next Indiana Jones. Not Indiana Jones because it's spoiler it's his son, but I don't like Shia LaBeouf being Indiana Jones. That's my only problem with it. Um, I don't mind that. He wouldn't be Indiana Jones. He'd be yeah. Mutt Williams. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but the younger generation actually like really likes him, and I think part of it is that Rob Cantor like Shia LaBeouf actual Cannibal song. Um, <laughs> seriously, Anakin rolled up. Uh, there was this meme going around where somebody had broken down stats for Shia, actual Cannibal Shia LaBeouf for Dungeons and Dragons, and that's the big bad guy that his characters that he's DMing a game are, are going after. Like they just think it's the funniest thing in the world. But no, I. I I'm one of the people who really liked Crystal Skull, and I liked Shia LaBeouf in it. I think Shia LaBeouf is a great actor. I think he's a weirdo, but I think he's a great actor. Yeah, it's one of those cases where I always question how much of people's dislike of him in films is really because of the baggage that he has personally. That doesn't always show up on screen. And there's a lot of people that absolutely hate Transformers, so they hate him (laughs) for his involvement. He He was the best part. I've only seen the first Transformers movie. No, I think I might have seen the second one, but I blocked it out of my head. Um, but the first one was fun enough, and, and he was, was he wasn't bad in it. I liked the movie Holes. I liked uh, what was that golf movie that he was in? 
The Legend of Bagger Vance. No, no, that's the no, one that was Matt Damon. Game. This that... is the greatest game yeah. ever played. I like that oh. movie. I liked him a lot in that movie. I don't have a problem with Shia LaBeouf himself. I what I was saying is my problem is you're you're going to continue the Indiana Jones franchise with him as Mutt being an Indiana Jones type, like Indiana Jones. Nobody can defeat Indiana Jones. He's Indiana Jones. There will never be anybody better. And I think having a I think having a Han Solo movie and somebody playing Harrison Ford's version of Han Solo, people have a worry about. However, they got to think that this isn't. He isn't playing Han Solo in a reboot of Empire. He's Han Solo before he became Han Solo. So he doesn't have to act like Harrison Ford because Han Solo was, that was many years after Han Solo was a young man. I mean, there was a lot in between that that made him Han Solo. You know, you look at, you look at uh, Sean Patrick Flannery's portrayal of Indiana Jones, and it's a much different character. It's a much less sure character. It's a much more, uh, fortune and glory sort of character you can see how the character sean patrick flannery played turned into the character in temple yes. of doom that was all about fortune and glory mm-hmm. um you know because he'd been through world war one and he had seen all kinds of horrible things and thought that maybe looking out for himself uh was the best because he'd been sort of hurt by life so much mm-hmm. um and Sean Patrick Flannery was fantastic in that. In fact, I would recommend if every anybody who's concerned about Alden Ironreich being young Han Solo, they need to go back and watch Sean Patrick Flannery and to a, a younger extent, Corey Carrier playing Indiana Jones in the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I think they're fabulous and I think people need to watch them more anyway. And if you're a history nerd, Lucasfilm spared no expense in creating like hour long history documentaries that you can watch side by side with not, not at the same time, but you know, you watch an episode and it covers a whole bunch of historical events. And then the, the, the disc also has on it like an hour long, like straight up real documentary produced, especially for these series that explains all the historic context about the, the things they dropped Indy into. And, uh, I have no idea why they're not like why every history classroom doesn't have a set of these DVDs like so just good. standard. I mean, uh, you're I a history also, expert, Holly. You I'm not an expert. I'm an enthusiast. <laughs> I, re- I really rally against that word because people then want to quiz you about stuff, and I can't okay. Remember. How about history buff? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's such a like great uh supplement to those and i agree with you i think it's a fantastic teaching tool that doesn't get utilized enough and part of it is that i think most people don't know about it um so we can perhaps start our campaign to make sure teachers know uh yeah i mean it it adds so much context and really makes those stories not only more sort of delightful and fun because you see how smartly they incorporated indiana jones into world events but it also really does a really good job of very um concisely and clearly explaining in some cases some pretty complicated things that were going on you know no one thing in history happens because of one cause there's always a million little factors that go into any of the big moments that we learn about along the way and so it does a really good job of conveying those without getting too in the weeds which is not an easy thing to do when you're talking about cheap too like season one is available with amazon prime and then the the sets are far cheaper than i paid for them so everybody should get yeah. it. The Warriors, which is the best one, uh, is only fifteen bucks on Amazon. Wow, yeah, That's crazy. Another thing I wanted to ask you too about 
with this with this Han Solo movie is do you think that people have a problem the people that are against it or have a problem with it? Do you think it's they have a, an issue with somebody playing Harrison Ford or Han Solo? Eh, it's probably Han Solo because like I said, I mean plenty of people um I wonder how many of those people would be fine with Anthony and Gruber in the park instead of Alden Ironreich. That's where I, that's who I thought they were going to have for that movie because in that age of Adeline movie, he was great, looked like him, acted like him. Yeah. I I worry that he was more of a mimic than an actor though. I think he was a mimic, yeah. And you can't you you can't carry a, a movie for 2 hours as a mimic right. rather than an actor. Yeah. So yeah, so that was my point that Somebody can, anybody can have somebody play them. It just depends on how good of a job they do. Yeah. Well, and I, if people have not yet seen Hail Caesar and they're concerned about yeah. all of the Niren Reich, oh my goodness, he is fantastic in that film. Truth. And is great at sort of being, I mean, you can see the, the germinating seed of what could become. Like, you know, he's kind of doing an action star in that movie who is also in his, you know, tentative early years. Which is kind of what Han Solo is at the time that he's he's going to be playing him. He's a man of action, but also young. He's not who he is yet. So it's kind of an exciting thing to to consider for me. He's still like he was. I loved Hail Caesar for a lot of reasons, but he just put that movie over the top. Oh, he's so good in it, and so funny. Yeah. No, I don't think. I mean, he's he's sitting there. Um, playing a really difficult straight laced character who's who's really naive and giving everyone all the comedy bits that they need in a way that's really oblique like he wasn't delivering jokes he was bringing a performance that added comedy to things and i guess yeah. that's part of the coen brothers but you know here he is holding his own against george clooney and josh brolin and yeah. ray fine Oh, the scenes with him and Ray Fiennes are gold in my book. They're so fantastic. And it is. I mean, he is literally toe-to-toe with him in those scenes acting, and you never I, feel like, oh my god, this poor kid is really struggling to keep up. You never feel no, that way. He stole a scene from Ray Fiennes in what yeah. has been Ray Fiennes' <laughs> uh, probably best role in a long time where he's just stealing scenes. Like, I, I think that's what they were looking for in that excitement in him, is that is that he just has that ability to steal scenes, and that's what you want from Han Solo. That's what Harrison Ford had. Yeah. See, we can really all blame everybody's chagrin and their trepidation on Harrison Ford and just be, why are you so damn charming? At the end of the day, I don't think the Han Solo movie is in trouble. And I don't think it's a stretch looking at film history, looking at Kathleen Kennedy's track record, looking at the track record of Star Wars in this modern era to say that we should still have high hopes for this movie. If it comes out and it's terrible, I'll be the first to eat, eat some crow on that. Um, but uh, until then, I don't think it's really possible for us to judge how that sausage is made. Yeah. I, I don't think that I could say it any better than that. Yeah. Plus, you know, save yourself the stress of getting fretful. Just yeah, see how it happens. We're all going to be fine. Are, <laughs> there are way more. Uh, there, there are way, way. There are more real, real issues that are going on in the world right now that are stressing me out. I don't need to stress out about Han Solo. Right. 
I just want it to stay at the release date because I'm selfish and I want it to stay on my birthday. That's all I want. <laughs> I think it will. I don't think there's any reason for them to move it. I think they've been hoping to position Star Wars back to the summer again so that Disney yeah. will just own the summer every year. I hope so because that to me I love that and I also I think I've said it on this show before that I like having it in the summer because when it's in December it messes up my my seasonal obsession like you know fall is time to be getting excited about Halloween and not Star Wars (laughs) I mean I'm always baseline excited about Star Wars but it's hard to ride both of those horses at the same time well and you know it's interesting too just one quick thing to say uh, I read a trade report that said that uh, The Last Jedi will be finished completely by July, August. Yeah. Um, which means that they were heading for that May date, and Ryan Johnson probably could have hit it if he tried. Yeah, I think um, so. And so that's, what the, that's, that's probably been the plan. They, they probably told everybody uh, after uh, Gareth Edwards, like, no, you're going to hit May. And now Ryan Johnson just had a really comfortable amount of extra time. And the movie's just going to sit there done mocking us. <laughs> <laughs> he can just relax right up to press junket. Yeah. I doubt he will. He's probably got a million other things on his plate, but. Yeah, probably. <laughs> just something to, something to look forward to. I'm excited for what we're going to get. Me too. And I'm not going to be one of those people that are going to expect too much. And then get woefully disappointed. Um, I'm going to approach it like I did Rogue One. Initially, I didn't really have that much excitement when it was first announced. The trailer built built on that excitement. Got a little more excited. And then we kept seeing more and more things. And then saw the movie and was just blown away. And hoping for the same thing. Yeah. I, I think you're going to get it. Yeah. I, I And I agree. I think so, too. But, but if I don't get what I, you know, if I don't get anything overly overwhelming, Still a new Star Wars movie. It's about Han Solo, and I'm going to be thankful for seeing it because I hate to sound like a broken record. Five years ago, I never thought I'd see any of these things. Right. And there could be more Greedo. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, Let's you will not lose, lose your sight mind. of the important things. <laughs> you will lose your mind if there's a Rodian in this, won't you? Well, if it's Greedo specifically. I think, yeah. you, I think you're going to see Greedo. I do. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to get my hopes up. But it would be lovely. And I would then have, you know, new things to put on dresses. So I, <laughs> I would be so delighted. I can't even process yeah. how great that would be. Yeah. I want have to make a Greedo standalone movie. Have you done a, uh, a Clone Wars Greedo dress? I have a couple kind of in process, like some fabric prints, but I haven't really nailed it yet to a point where I'm like, yes, this is the one. I liked him on Clone Wars. I did too. I think you should have. Uh, I like his his cool little two tone brown jacket. I want to make that jacket. I think that you should make the most epic Greedo dress and wear it to the premiere of the Han Solo movie. <laughs> I have so many epic Greedo dresses already. I don't know where I would begin, but <laughs> I mean, you should do like a marathon and then just for each movie put on a different one. I don't know, just maybe a week of Greedo dresses or something. I do that already. Ah. That's true. That's just that's every day. Probably. I'm wearing that's a Greedo dress life. right now. Yeah, yeah. Are you really? Yeah. See, amazing. It's hard not to after a while. I mean, it takes up a large portion of my wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we wrap things up and um, we'll be back next week. We're all going to be around for the next show, right? Yep. 
All right, cool. Well, Holly, why don't you tell everybody your things and stuff? My things. Um, uh, I wanted to make a bad joke, and I'm not going to do it. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as at Surliest Girl, and also uh, I host Stuff You Missed in History class with my fabulous co-host Tracy Wilson, and you can find us at MissedInHistory.com, where you can also connect with all of our social media, which is basically Missed in History everywhere. And then Brian and I do a little thing as well on the side, a little podcast. Yeah, it's called Authentic History. The episode that just came out is about the Battle of Christophsis. So if you're if you were ever more curious about the probably the second big engagement in the Clone Wars, that's where you'd go for that. And that you can find that at authentichistory.com. Uh, uh, that's authentic with an X because it's French and fancy. It's good stuff. Um, you can find me at Swankmatron on Twitter and Patreon and. Uh, just about everywhere else you you would want to look for me. My writings regularly on StarWars.com and Big Shiny Robot and places like that. So I would really, uh, um, actually, a quick pitch if I could be allowed. Uh, my Patreon. Uh, if as soon as I get a hundred patrons on my Patreon, I'm going to be releasing a space opera serial. So if you like Star Wars and or Star Wars like things and me jump in and it's like literally $12 a year for, you know, one short story a month. As soon as I hit a hundred of those, we're going to do a space opera serial. Cool. So, yeah. Well, let's hurry Love up it. and get them to a hundred because that'd be awesome. I thank you for both being here. If you want to uh, find me, the mic.com, mikepilot.com, either one. Um, I'm at the mic everywhere. And for the show itself, if you want to leave us a voicemail, Use the SpeakPipe app that's on the website or record one on your own machine and email it to us at holocronandfullofsith.com. Uh, you can also go to fullofsith.com and see you know, show art and links to what we were talking about and episode guides and anything. Find any show. It's all there. Uh, it's the one-stop shop for Full of Sith. I hate when people say one-stop shop, so I don't even know why I said it myself. But also, I'd like for people to go to facebook.com slash Sith and like us there if you haven't already in facebook.com slash group slash Sith and get in on the conversations that we all have there on a very regular basis. Finally, iTunes uh, reviews, you know, Stitcher, wherever you, wherever you listen to the show, uh, reviews would be appreciated as well. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Full of Sith, which is episode 222. And for my great and amazing and smart, these two are so smart. There was like seven words this episode that I looked up after you said them. I'm, <laughs> I'm improving my vocabulary with each show co-host Holly Fry and Brian Young. I am the Mike Pilot. May the force be with you. Always. If you're not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.